0: This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show.
1: There's a reason why you're not seeing a lot of coverage of what's happening at our southern border at all. And it's because it looks awful for the Biden administration. I just came back and... I can tell you that everyone you speak to knows they're hiding this as much as they possibly can, that the journos, and I'm talking about people working on security there, National Guard, Border Patrol, Immigration Customs Enforcement, everybody, local sheriffs, local police, they're all very clear on what's happening here. Biden folks don't want the American people to figure out that the estimate I heard, the estimate I heard from a senior member of Border Patrol, was they think they'll have a million illegals cross into the United States this year alone. A million. You got in that sense from what's going on in the news? No, let's, let's have another news cycle where we pretend we have no common sense and police are the problem in America when it comes to violence. And let's just throw cops under the bus like the Democrats do all the time. Oh, yeah, that's really going to help. That's going to be great, isn't it? Disgraceful. I was so angry at the stuff I was seeing happening in the news while I was out doing field reporting, but it was important to tell you what's really happening at the border. And, and I've got to tell these stories. Um, I've also got to tell you to prepare. You know that I'm a student of history and that whenever you look throughout history at what happens with fiat currency, it gets very bad. Every time, every fiat currency actually historically has eventually had a major crisis in many cases a complete collapse but gold has been a measure of wealth throughout history and there's a good reason for that you know gold's never been worth zero and you can have real gold and silver now as part of your wealth either in your retirement accounts or delivered securely to your home with the oxford gold group this is the industry leader in precious metals and the only gold and silver company i trust Oxford Gold Group will beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. If you want to get financial stability, you need to look into acquiring real gold and silver with the Oxford Gold Group. Call Oxford today, 833-600-GOLD. Don't gamble with your hard-earned money. Put your money into something solid, safe, and secure. Just look at history. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and get your free investment guide right now, 833 600 G.O.L.D. Not only is the border in a crisis. But those who are tasked with stopping it have no interest in doing so at the political level. And they leave the people on the front lines completely unable to deal with it in any meaningful way. They don't want them handling this problem other than to process the people coming. So I went down there last week because, you know, I was in the McAllen Uh, I went into McAllen, the Rio Grande sector of the U.S.-Mexico border. I was out with uh, members of Border Patrol. I went out with an NGO that does anti-human trafficking work and tries uh, tries to assist local law enforcement, state law enforcement, because, you know, that's a part of this, too. The Biden administration could do a whole lot more at the federal level if they wanted to, but they would much rather allow Texas National Guard and Texas sheriffs and the Rangers to have to pick up all the slack. Here's what you don't see. Here's what you don't hear about the border. Why is it, you know, one one night when I was down there, we went 90 minutes in the car west of McAllen. Now, McAllen is a city of about 100,000, not not a particularly uh, built-up place, not, not a major city by any stretch, and it sits right on, U.S.-Mexico border in southeastern Texas, right on the Rio Grande. And you, you can see people handing themselves in in broad daylight, surrendering in broad daylight. The first night I'm, I'm there with my team, we go out, and within 15 minutes, we're standing right at a border crossing, and within 15 minutes, you have kids coming dozens at a time children and i mean you know eight-year-olds 10-year-olds just in a group walking right across the border just being sent right across the border by themselves sometimes adults present a lot of times not you can imagine how how traumatizing this is for them but uh and, and it's awful here's the part of it though that you have to think about here's the part that doesn't make sense till you dig into a little bit more they can show up and the cartels do this and they will push people right into the hands of border patrol then border patrol has to take care of them, to get them food and medicine and take them to the hospital if need be. Why not always do that? Why is it that there are remote places along the border where you will go where I went and you'll see efforts to cross there. It's because the cartels are incredibly sophisticated international not just smuggling and criminal enterprises, but really terrorist organizations, and they have a, a communication and a, a essentially a strategic command and control that lets them spread the Border Patrol and the resources we have down there as thinly as possible. Remember, because of the children that are being processed at any given time in the Rio Grande sector, 40%, 40% of Border Patrol agents are doing paperwork, changing diapers, making sure that people have medicine that they need, whatever it may be, straight-up humanitarian and babysitting mission, essentially. What do you think the vicious Mexican drug cartels do while that's going on? They run drugs across the border. And in some places, we have the technology deployed to at least have a sense of what, what level of drugs are coming across. And others, we have no idea. And, you know, we've just gone through a year in this country with the most overdoses in history. Over 80,000 is the figure that I've seen. We've gone through a year with the biggest spike in crime in over 20 years in America. I think the single most powerful, most vicious criminal enterprise in North America should get a little more attention on all this. They are making money hand over fist from the human smuggling that the journalists run around pretending is the the foundation of america oh we're a nation of immigrants no we're not a nation of people coming in in violation of federal law paying off drug cartels in the process that's actually not the you know the 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 origins of the american experiment and and the the source of our greatness as much as the journos may pretend otherwise why do they deploy why is it i went out with uh went out 90 minutes as i said west of mccallan a place called fronton with this all things possible anti-trafficking group, A- ATP is, is the, the group, uh, Victor Marks is the founder of it. We went out there and some of the guys that he's with are, are very elite former special operators. Uh, and, and they, they come along cause their whole mission now that they're out, I mean, they're there, some of these guys are retired now after having been in special operations and, and SF guys and others, for decades. uh, They just want to save kids from the worst people in the world. That's their whole mission. They they go to Iraq, they go all over the world and they save children from human trafficking. And in this case, they know that these children are being trafficked and they're there to try to assist in the Border Patrol mission of of at least making sure everyone's safe, get them some food, get them some water to the children who are coming across and also to make sure that there aren't cartel predators mixed in among these groups which as we know that does happen uh and so there's there's a tremendous amount of of lawlessness and and illegality going on here and also suffering but just suffering in general i mean people what they're putting these kids through is appalling and the fact that i i know people keep saying oh well the parents must be really desperate um I'm sorry, fi- it, what's, what's, being, uh, what's being done here, I mean, sending an, an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old, I, I had kids uh, telling me through a translator uh, that they've been traveling for over a month to get, to get to the border from Central America. Buses, trains, a lot of it on foot, traveling for a month. People are coming from all over the world as well. That's another part of this you have to understand. They have Romanians who have been showing up, you know, 60, 70 Romanians in the last uh, last month or two. They have people coming from from Sri Lanka, from China, from Brazil, from Venezuela. Now, why do you think that's happening? Why is it that people who have the money for a plane ticket? They're not walking from China. Mm -hmm. Why is it that people who have money for a plane ticket would rather fly to Mexico and pay off the cartels to get into America then try to do it the legal way. Ah, because if you just put a tiny bit of effort and resources into it, the border is open. I mean, that's really that's really the only thing that they can point to. They say, well, some people get turned back only if they mess up, only, only if they either try to go and they know that they're single adult males and, and they try to make a run for it and they get caught, or if there's some... Uh, There's some other problem with a family unit. All the children get to stay and will stay. Almost all the family units now are getting to stay. I mean, they have this Title 42 authority under COVID that they were using to send back family units, but now uh, at least one Mexican state along the border uh, is not taking family units back at all. So that means that those family units are staying. All those if you come at one, there's one part of the border where if you come, you get to stay you're a family unit dependent also on the age of the children you're with. And I tried to find out and they said we don't talk about it because they don't want people to know. But there's essentially uh, special treatment depending on the age of the children. So that's an incentive to bring younger and younger children, which means that that's why you're seeing people with newborns and all this coming to the border all the time now because it helps them, helps the adults get into the country. The whole thing's a mess. They're spreading us thin across spreading our resources thin across the border for all our our security services, because then that makes it easier to smuggle in other individuals who aren't family units and drugs and whatever contraband they want. And can Kamala even be bothered to go down there? No, no, she can't. I went down there. I got to tell you, there's one point I'm. I'm looking across the, the Rio Grande. It's midnight. I'm with a the team. They've got some night vision goggles. We're watching in real time as rafts are crossing the river full of migrants. The cartels have it all orchestrated. Okay, now you go. 20 people on a raft maybe meant for, for two or four. 20 people pile onto this raft. Go here. They know where our surveillance assets are. They understand where the choke points are and where the areas that are open, wide open. And they're just playing us. And as this is going on, I, I hear small arms fire break out just to, just across the border. I mean, a couple of hundred yards away. One of the National Guard guys says, oh, that's definitely belt fed because the small arms pop, pop, pop was met with the brrr of somebody going full, full auto on a heavy weapon, probably a 240 or something like that. Just a few hundred yards away from us this is going on on the on the mexican cartel controlled side of it and what you realize is they're they're fighting each other because meaning the cartels are fighting each other because it's so lucrative there's so much money to be made here that they'll kill anyone on their side of the border who gets in the way our side is where they're sending all all, they're sending all the drugs they're sending all the uh, all the human trafficking Their side is where it's just a bloody contest for control. And they're exporting lawlessness and misery and dysfunction and all kinds of problems to this country and becoming ultra wealthy in the process. And what are we doing about it? There's no plan to handle this. I went to see the massive facility at uh, at Donna, the Donna facility, Immigration and Customs Enforcement and and uh, Border Patrol located there with with people and it looks like a city you're not allowed anywhere inside they're very strict about the kind of access you have they don't want journalists to see it they don't want people to know what's going on and they told me when i was down there they're planning to basically double the size of it in the next uh, 60 days another one another massive tent city for the processing of illegal immigrants does that make it sound like they have a plan to slow this down to stop this Because they don't, I can assure you of that, they don't have a plan. They know that this benefits them in the long run. Everything that I saw at the border with my own eyes solidified what I've been telling you here on the show. Our border is as close to fully open as it could be without the Biden administration just saying, no more laws down there, just come, anyone gets to come with 5 minutes of thought, with just a little bit of money and a, and a little bit of of resolve, anybody who wants to get into the United States across the US Mexico border right now has a much better than even chance, probably you got a 90% chance now if you know if you know what you're doing of getting the United States permanently. How many people want to come to the US from Latin America alone according to polls? 30 to 40 million. Biden administration sees that as a big pool of future Democrat voters.
2: Right now, Republicans are attacking you, saying you
3: shouldn't be in New Hampshire talking about infrastructure. You should be in the southern border talking about immigration. How do you respond to them?
4: I'm not going to play political games.
1: Uh, Kamala's not going to play political games. No, of course not. No interest in political games. She's so disingenuous. And honestly, so incompetent in this in this role as border czar. although, no, I I say that and then I have to edit myself because I assume she's I mean, she's incompetent from the perspective of she wants this to stop. But as I've already told you, she doesn't want this to stop. So in some way, in some sense, there's an extreme competency here because she's giving cover to this whole continued wide, uh, wide ranging infiltration of the United States with drugs and flood of illegal immigrants I mean the drugs are poisoning our communities all over the place and, and remember this is this is I, I talked to you about overdoses it's not just the overdoses that are coming as a result of the cartels putting this stuff out there freely it's, it's accessible to people it's inexpensive they're making this stuff in vats and, and they mark sometimes the pills to look like pharmaceutical grade pills. They can sell them for more. And so people think they're safe when they're absolutely not. Sometimes there are hot batches where somebody will die from just taking one. And they've been taking you know, opioids for a long time. They think they know what they're doing, but it doesn't matter. There's no quality control. It's the cartels. They don't care who dies. And yet, what are they doing about this? What is the what is the Biden team doing to try to fix this? Nothing. Nothing. They because what are they going to do, turn around and tell their their activist base that they actually don't want this illegal immigration to continue? And remember, the opioids that are flooding into our communities, not only are they, you know, killing teenagers and and young adults in unprecedented numbers, they create a lot of criminality here. What do you think? People are shooting each other over for the most part in Chicago and St. Louis and name a city with a high crime. rate. What do you think the number one reason for shootings in those places are drug gang activity? Just like on the cartel side of the border, there are people who are doing everything that they can. They're on the cartel side of the border. There are people who Mexican side of the border will use extreme violence for control of their territory. Here, the raw material for the drug wars that are killing Americans, that are shooting you know, little girls in their, as they try to sleep at night because of drive-bys or the things, that's coming from the cartels. They're, they're not making the drugs that they're selling on the south side of Chicago. They're not making the drugs they're selling uh in in cities all in you know, on baltimore and cities all across america it's coming from across the border so that's what i mean by importing dysfunction and misery and death and yet we're told oh don't worry about it oh it's just it's just about being humanitarian we're a nation of immigrants okay well the cartels are using the infiltration or rather they're using the uh illegal crossing into this country of over 150,000 people a month right now as a huge smokescreen to run in large amounts of drugs, whether through the ports of entry or in between in the seams of our border coverage. And people die from drug overdoses. People die in the drug wars caused by this. This is the biggest domestic national security challenge we face by far. And yet, you turn on the elite journals and the news sources and everything. You know what they'll tell you? Oh, that's the white nationalist militias. Oh my gosh. As if that's a real threat that we all have to be so concerned about all the time. Did you know about QAnon? QAnon is coming for you. I, I assure you, you don't have to worry. QAnon's not about to burn down your, your house or your business, QAnon is not selling your children lethal drugs Uh, but if you were to pay attention to the media that's the real threat any minute now there'll be an insurrection we have the worst murder rate last year worst murder rate increase last year in over 20 years and what's the democrat response i mean it's 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 sick really it's almost sadistic what they're doing to america it's it's like they enjoy inflicting greater misery we have spiking murder rates and with that Rapes, assaults, home invasions, all kind of viciousness and and grotesque behavior, criminal grotesque behavior. And the Democrat Party wants what? Attack the cops. They're the problem. Those of us who say we back police, those of us who say we want a secure border, we're the bad guys. Maybe we're part of that insurrectionist group. Outrageous outrageous, you really do get the sense sometimes that there must be some people on the left who just who know they're ruining America. Maybe they believe they'll build it back better, borrow from Biden as something else. But they are ruining this country right now. There's really nobody out there as Stalinist when it comes to uh, masking and all the most the most absurd of the COVID regulations as airline attendants and airline employees. I I don't know what it is. I think it's because airlines are used to just enforcing, enforcing stupidity against everybody as much as they possibly can. You know, oh my gosh, don't, don't turn on your device. don't turn on your your iPad or the plane will crash. Right? I mean, there's no this is all just absurd. Yeah, there's like a one in a billion chance that that they could interfere with the communications and bring the plane down. It's no ser- no person seriously believes that. But the the for a long time airlines are oh you you can't even have your Kindle in your hands. You know you got it's all so stupid. But I I uh, I was told that my mask wasn't good enough on the flight down by one airline attendant. I, we don't say stewardess anymore, right? You know, they handed me a new mask and I said, well, what if I just sit here with a cookie in my hand and eat really slowly? I said, oh, well, now that there are reasonable limitations, they say, on how long you can actually have your mask down to eat or drink, who enforces that? What, what's the time limit? Do I have 60 seconds? Do I have five minutes to, to eat my, my sandwich or to have my coffee? I mean, for God's sakes, they even told me to mask up. They, they announced over the PA system a mask up between bites. We'll get into this in, in just a second here. Um, you know, we've got small businesses. A lot of them are really getting ramped up, getting going right now, which is great. And And I want to make your small business as efficient and profitable as possible. So you can do well. Your employees can do well. You don't want HR to become a major expense. When running a business, HR issues can kill you. You got wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries are pricey. As you know, you're talking about an average of $70,000 a year. That's why you need Bambi. Bambi matches you with your very own dedicated HR manager that you can easily reach by phone, chat, or email. Bambi has thousands of active clients and over 1,000 Trustpilot reviews with a 4.9 rating. Okay, it's a game changer as a service and it's so inexpensive, $99 a month, you'll get a dedicated HR manager who will craft your HR policy and maintain compliance, $99 a month. They can handle onboarding, terminations, and they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day to day. It's month to month. There are no hidden fees you can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend all your time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help. Go to B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. That's Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule your free H.R. audit. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck.
2: Yeah, you know, Jim, I don't want to come out ahead of a CDC announcement, but as you hinted yourself just now a moment ago, that very soon, imminently, in the next few days, very likely the CDC will be coming out with updating their guidelines of what people who are vaccinated can do and even some who are not vaccinated. And certainly what one can do outdoors vis-a-vis mask is going to be one of those recommendations. So stay tuned. It's coming soon. All right. I, and if you don't mind, I'll press a little bit. I know you don't want to get ahead of these uh, guidelines, but I, I assume airports, uh, travel, that sort of thing, uh, that'll be coming up as well. Well, sooner or later, I don't know if it's all going to be coming out at once. I mean, the the one thing for sure is the thing that's on a lot of people's minds is what about outdoors? Because obviously a lot of people are going to be spending a lot of time more outdoors now because the weather is getting really nice, beautiful spring uh, weather. You're going to be seeing people wanting to do things outdoors without masks. And it's common sense to know. That the risk when you are outdoors, which we have been saying all along, is extremely low. And if you are vaccinated, it's even lower. So you're going to be hearing about those kinds of recommendations soon.
1: The risk in the weather is lower with the mitigation. However, when you, I mean, this guy, what, what a little jerk. His name should be alongside the designer of the Hindenburg in the annals of science. This guy is the absolute worst. You know, as we've been saying all along, you know, the risk. He actually said in another interview, it's minuscule. That's the word that he used recently over the weekend. Minuscule risk of transmission outside. Really? Tell that to all the paranoid lunatics walking around New York City now by themselves outside as I'm speaking to you and have been doing so for a year Gotta have my mask on. I've got to put a mask on my face outside by myself. Or else someone's gonna breathe on me. Crazy. Emotionally disturbed. Psychologically damaged. Because they believe Fauci before. Because they listen to the science. They actually think this was an intelligent thing to do. I see people in New York. By themselves, out in the street, double masking, as if one wasn't enough. I take the virus so seriously. Aren't you seeing, folks? What I've told you all along is true. What I've been saying to you is reasonable and rooted in the data and rooted in the science. And all these libs, all these furious libs running around. Why don't you believe the science? They, that what, what happened here was they were able to take the, the media, the journos, the Democrat Party were able to combine anti-Trumpism and Fauciism all at once. That's what really happened here. If you were anti-Trump, you became a Fauciite. And these two things became inextricably, inextricably linked. It didn't matter if one and the other had anything to do with each other in reality. It didn't matter even when Trump was no longer president. You still you wear your mask the way Trump people wear a MAGA hat to show political solidarity. And you've even started to see more and more now people saying, "Okay, fine. So wearing a mask outside isn't really reasonable, but it's a good example to set. Oh, I'm sorry. So so now we are actually doing things for show. I've been saying they do this crap for show for months and they said, oh, you don't, you're an idiot. You don't believe the science, all this stuff. And now they're straight up admitting that I was right and they were wrong. I, I just want to be very clear about this. What I've been telling you is true and what the Fauciites and the journals have been saying is crap. Now, they can try to rewrite history now and say Fauci go, oh, you know, we've been saying all along, you know, it's very... I've been how many months have I been saying if Fauci wasn't a snide little coward, he would say no outdoor masks. There's no reason for it. It's stupid. Why do they want ever masking outdoors? Because they wanted you masked up all the time and everyone had to be masked. Because if anybody broke from the Fauci consensus, if anybody refused to be emotionally and physically dominated by these collectivist nut jobs. Then they would lose their grip on power. Then there would be the chance of freedom beginning to return to the American people. Then all of a sudden we'd be in a different place. And they simply could not abide that, could they? They simply couldn't let us be in a place where individuals were making their own determinations. They've been controlling your ability even outside to breathe fresh air for over a year. People tell me that we don't have to worry about tyranny in this country. I'm just going to say this to you right now. The second amendment has never been more important for those of us paying attention. The check on government tyranny that exists because of firearms in the hands of civilians has never been in my lifetime. More important than it is right now. Because you see the mentality of the Fauciites. You see what happens in Canada where they're pulling, where the police are being sent to pull old ladies by their hair. You know, they're you're not social distancing enough. And then throw them on the floor and handcuff them. And why aren't you wearing a mask? It's really terrifying. It's sad because people are so stupid. And have been all along. Oh, if you don't mask up three times, you're a, you're a denier. You don't believe the virus is real. Arguments that only morons make, but they were making them all the time. I mean, all these all these news organizations, the New York Times, CNN, so shameful. Social media should should never be forgiven for their role in the oppressive censorship around lockdowns. I mean, they sh- they showed they are authoritarian. Uh, uh, Crap. The people that are making decisions uh, of policy decisions at Twitter and Facebook and Google are shameful leftist loons shutting down essential political debate. Do You realize that what we're going to find out is not only is outdoor masking and we've known this all along, but there'll be more and more studies. They can't. Now that people are starting to wake up and and open their eyes, there's just going to be more and more information. There's going to be more data to prove Fauci is a disaster it has been all along i could just smell i could i could see the dishonesty dripping off that smug lib bureaucrat from the beginning from the beginning you don't go from haha masks are stupid they don't protect anybody to masks are even better than vaccines with No actual data to support this, by the way, other than theoretical studies that they're doing where they're they're blasting some some water particles into a mask as if that's representative of the way things happen in real life. It's all so outrageous. And this is what they've done. They blame Trump for all the deaths in this country. Is Trump is Trump at fault for Brazil? Take a look at the numbers in Brazil. Is Trump at fault for what's going on in India right now with covid? You know that last summer they were writing stories last summer. They were writing stories about how masks save in India from COVID. You know that it was because of their masking. What do you think happened now? They're actually beyond hospital capacity in place. They're having terrible problems in India. Blaming Trump for this. What? What an absurdity. Blaming Trump for COVID is like blaming somebody for an asteroid hitting the planet. It's just it's beyond the comprehension of any intelligent, fair-minded person. But you see, so much of our society, I mean, the leftists are box checkers and they're institutionalists and they do what they're told and they just want to pat on the head. They want to be told, oh, you're one of the smart, good ones because you do what we tell you to do, what the power apparatus tells them to do. They don't think for themselves. They don't have individualism. They don't have intellectual courage, you know? Plenty of people can do multivariable calculus and think that they're really smart. Uh, how many of how many of the people that will go around bragging about their school or their degree were willing to stand up and say fauci is full of it very very few because common sense and courage are more valuable in life more important than a GPA at an Ivy League school or a, an advanced degree in public health. Public health policy. Yeah. Now they're finally saying outdoor masking. And I know I know what the excuses will be. Oh, but it's because we have a vaccine. You still have tens of millions of people who are vaccinated. Still COVID flowing around the country. And their argument isn't we have beat COVID because then why should we mask anywhere? Their argument is, yeah, it turns out outdoor masking is not really necessary. It was never necessary. And that's the point. It was never reasonable, no matter what they tell you. So how do I know that I've been right all along? How how did I come to these conclusions? I know so many of you agree with me, by the way. And, you know, team, you've been with me. You've been supporting me. One of my favorite things, whether it was at CPAC or people coming up to me in the street, is when they say, I really appreciate that you held the line, that you've kept it real about lockdowns and COVID policy this whole time. I've never gotten so much hatred in my life. I've never gotten so much scorn and disdain online and from from people, you know, all, all over the, the liberal journal universe that I'm reckless, that I'm causing death. All I'm doing is speaking the obvious truth. But that, but then it's you know, it's like I'm spreading COVID. I, I'm the the reason for COVID. It's exactly what they did to Trump. But you can say, well, Buck, how, how would you know this stuff? How did you know? And there are so many reasons. But. Here's a, here's a really good example of why, why is it that I know that something's up? And I told you, Fauci, at the beginning, oh, yeah, masks are a joke. They don't really do. They might make you feel better, but they don't do anything. That was in March of 2020. And now here we are with, with oh, the big smart doctors who work at the CDC or whatever. They're, they're all telling us that masks, quote, may be more effective even than vaccines, end quote. Remember that? Yeah. Based on what? Uh, shut up. Do what you're told. That's what they tell you. How do I know they're full of crap? Here's a good example. December 30th, 2020. In September, this is the Wall Street Journal. India was reporting almost 100,000 COVID cases a day, with many predicting it would soon pass the U.S. in overall cases. Instead, infections dropped and are now at one-fourth that level. One of the main reasons, Indian health officials say, is the country has managed to encourage and enforce... Almost universal acceptance of masks without much debate. December of 2020, friends. India staved off a horrible wave of the pandemic because of masks. That's what we're told. That's what the Indian, the Indian Fauciites, the Indian equivalent of, of Fauci here, claim that it was their mask policies. Okay. Here's an update as of today from CNN. As India breaks another global COVID-19 record and hospitals run out of oxygen, countries pledge assistance and aid. Hospitals, they've actually gone beyond hospital capacity in India now. It's a horrible situation. Now, not everywhere, but there are places where that's happening. And they're having record numbers of COVID cases and hospitalizations and all this. But wait, I thought I thought they beat it with masks. That's what we were told. They beat it with masks. Masking saved India. That was the narrative from the Indian government. So what happened? Did did all of a sudden people just stop masking? No, sorry. Nice try. The policies didn't change. Folks, all you have to do is think about this. They work so well that they don't work. And and then I I can go even beyond this, you know, the MIT study. So this is what I mean, though, by giving you a sense of how do I know they're full of crap? Things like this. It can't be masks saved India in December. And now India is going through a horrible covid wave while they're all still masking. And we don't say, hmm, maybe it had nothing to do with the masks then or now. This is called logic. This is called thinking for yourself, which libs do not do. They are collectivists. They want to be thought of as virtuous and smart and good, and they don't want to actually have to earn that or work for that. They just want to sign their name to it by being a leftist. That's all you got to do. Be a Fauciite. You have Kamala, Kamala, uh, in a, in an interview with, uh, I don't remember her name, from, uh, from CNN, one of those CNN journals. They're pretty interchangeable. Kamala's vaccinated. She's sitting 30 feet away from the CNN host for the interview over the weekend. This is performative. That's what that is. That's not about epidemiology. But add to that, add to that the fact that a study came out now. Now, it's a theoretical study from MIT. I actually looked at the the study itself. But the they're making the case at what is considered one of the most elite uh, math, science, STEM institutions in the world, MIT, Caltech. These are the places. Uh, but they're making the case that whether it's six feet of distance or 60 feet of distance really makes no difference. That it's about duration indoors. Now I want I want you to think this through for a little bit. And they they cite all this different evidence they have, and they're they're doing modeling. People say, oh, it's just models. Yeah. What do you think all the mask stuff is based off of? Models, not real world data. But now the now models are are irrelevant. Now models don't really count. Let me tell you. Um, what we're gonna find out is what I've been saying all along: the, the notion that. You wear this mask if you're indoors for, you know, for an extended period of time and the virus is being expelled by an individual into the air. It's submicroscopic, and it's just being expelled in the air and, and you wear this loose, loosely draped cloth thing over your face that you're pulling down, you're touching, you're pulling down, you're, you know, masking up between bites and all this stuff and that this is supposed to protect you in any meaningful way is insane. There, what, what this MIT study is saying is, you know, you could if you're indoors long enough, even if you're way across the other side of the room, uh, you know, you could still get infected. Oh, but that mask on your face is really going to protect you from that. Think about this. We're not talking about spittle. We're not talking about someone, you know, just their their saliva hitting you in the face. I'm talking to you We're talking about 60 feet away, still getting infected. Whether you're six feet or 60 feet, they say it doesn't really make a difference. And as we know, six feet is completely arbitrary. It was all arbitrary, don't you see? It was just, ah, we're panicking. And the medical establishment's like, we we don't really know how to stop this from spreading. And so let's just enforce a whole bunch of arbitrary, stupid rules as long as we say so. And then they got drunk with the power. And then it was, you know, Fauci wanted to show everybody his abs on the cover of Vanity Fair. Take a look. I got to tell you, it's good to be right. It's it's nice to be right about things, and when it comes to all the lockdowns and all that, I, I feel it's not, it's just not just a, it's not an ego thing. It's it's a why do you get up every day and, and do work in the media, Buck? Why do you even do this kind of stuff? Let's try to tell you the truth because it is in short supply these days, and what I've been telling you for a long time now about the mentality of the lockdowners and the left and what they're doing, it's all it's all now not just coming, it's always been true, but it's becoming more apparent. People are seeing now what the truth is about all of this. And I think it's really, um, it's the beginning of accountability for what has been done to us, for the, the mass delusions weaponized against the American people by the Democrats in this, in this anti-Trump frenzy and the Fauciite consensus and, and just all of it. It's so absurd. But being right matters. It always has mattered to me. Uh, And on issues like this, of course, it's critical. But it's also important to be right about what you're doing with your money. I mean, there are people that are saying the stock market could be on the verge of historic gains. According to my friends at Carnivore Trading, they've spotted several key indicators. But, you know, the biggest profits, they believe, are going to come in sectors that Wall Street experts are missing. Carnivore Trading is an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors And when you subscribe to Carnivore, you'll receive real-time text alerts of explosive trades they're making for their elite clients. You can mirror their trades with your discount broker or pass. But why would you pass? Their trades routinely crush the S&P 500. The market looks to be on the verge of another historic upswing. According to my friends at Carnivore, get off the sidelines and mirror Carnivore's trades now. Right now, you'll get two weeks free. That's right. 2 weeks free of this service. Try it out. See if you're somebody who's in the market at all. If you're trading, check out Carnivore. Go to getourtrades.com and use promo code buck. That's getourtrades.com promo code buck. See website for guarantee terms and conditions. Past performance not a guarantee of future earnings.
5: You know, I guess this means that Dr. Fauci has now determined that you can get COVID. You can catch it through your webcam. That's the only thing I can conclude. But um, really, it's it's silly. And this type of theater really is distracting to people who need to go out and get the vaccine. We have a lot of people, particularly those over age 40 and those who are overweight, who all need to get the vaccine and that all of the vaccines, the risks of the vaccines are less than the risk of the disease, particularly if you're over 40 and overweight. But when Biden goes on 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 the computer screen to a Zoom call and wears a mask, he's making a mockery of the science. And this is dissuading people
2: who are skeptical anyway.
1: A mockery of the science, says M.D. and Senator Rand Paul, one of the few people who's been out there speaking the truth on this. And I, I am so thankful for those voices out there who who held the line for the truth when it would have been so much easier to say, just listen to Fauci.
6: Just listen to Fauci. He will save us.
1: Yeah, that's right. I'm here to save you. I don't really, you know. I kind of talk in circles, and I basically go on TV to say there might be a surge after a plateau. There'll be a surge, and then another surge, but a, but then a, but then a, de, a declination. Not even sure if that's a word, but I like it. And then there'll be an ascent of the of the variable. The multipolarity of the diminution of the, yeah, you get it, right? This is, and, and they, people, I just, it's amazing to me. They sit there, they watch CNN, and they just go, oh gosh, Dr. Fauci, he's so smart. He, he really knows what's going on. He, he really knows how to save us. That little, that little jerk let them lock down schools, let them shut kids out of school. No reason for it. Totally, totally owned. Uh, by the, the Democrat leftist guy and won't cross the teachers unions because, of course, they're important to the left. No wonder he was elevated out of the Trump administration. You're not going to start fresh with somebody else. They say Trump was so bad they keep Fauci. Why? Guy's a little turncoat. He's the worst, the absolute worst. I got to say, it was it was funny, though, watching. We got a Hall a, of World Leaders on Friday. Vladimir Putin, Angela Merkel, Erdogan of Turkey, EU leaders Ursula von der Leyen. Ursula von der Leyen, guten Tag. My name, my, my name is Ursula. And all of them are appearing on Zoom. The only, we have this on BuckSexton.com, by the way. We've got the story up there. Go check out. Go check it out. The only one wearing a mask is Biden. In case you are wondering whether the mask has turned into a symbol of left wing Democrat solidarity, he's wearing a mask, friends, on a Zoom call. You know, Kamala sits down for an interview. She's masked in her interviews. She's vaccinated. She's vaccinated and she's sitting down from another person who I bet is also vaccinated at CNN, although I don't know that for 100%, but is also vaccinated at CNN. She's masked, not that that really does anything, and they're 30 feet apart. This is the definition of virtue signaling. Don't You see, they're, it's just absurd. It's absurd.
2: Absolutely.
1: A reckless idiocy on display. But this is the way they do it. This is uh, this is the approach that they take. And if you're opposed to it, if you have a problem with it, you're the bad person. I don't know what it is with airlines, but I'm not going to let this go. They are mask fascists. All these airlines. I I think it's like like I've been saying, it's because the closest thing that most Americans ever experienced to a totalitarian state, at least pre Democrat governors during the covid era, because, you know, that feels pretty damn totalitarian. But the closest thing most Americans experience to a totalitarian state comes in the form of being on an airplane. Sit this way. Have your have your you know, seatbelt uh, buckled at all times. You can't stand. You can't sit. You can't have this in your hands. Mask up. Shut your face. Do what you're told. Look at me. Give me a verbal. Will you help with the exit door? All this stuff they do. As if, as if we're just all morons. I know, but what if there's a person who doesn't know how to use the seatbelt? And what if you know? What if your tray table's down? And you know, what if a lot of things? But we we just the air the airline culture is to treat customers badly because it's a very expensive business to get into. And people can't just, you know, set up a competitor and it's highly, highly regulated. And so what do you get? You get airlines that treat you like garbage, like garbage. They just don't care. They, they, they just they just don't care. And you see this with the masking more than anything else. I mean, they are just get. They said mask up. I was on a JetBlue flight. I'm going to call out the airline. I was on a JetBlue flight last night coming back from Texas they said, mask up between bites. And I was like, they can't be that stupid, right? They're not really. How is that enforceable? Well, it's really just, is the airline steward or stewardess in a bad mood that day? Because then you're, you're, hey, hey, you. Too slow with that cookie. Mask up a little faster. Do they really think they're protecting people from COVID? Are they, are they total morons? And you'd say, oh, Buck, it's not their fault. It's the airlines. It's the policy. Okay, who are please somebody show me the morons that think that that we're going to save lives because we're masking up between bites on planes. I want to talk to those people. I want them to try to explain and and to speak very clearly, very precisely about how this is going to help anyone. You know, I was in Austin for uh, for a couple of days after being at the border over the weekend. And yes, Austin great food, uh, fun town, but the libs are ruining it. Now, I know you'd say it's always been a lib city. Yeah, but now we're reaching end stage lib in Austin. Okay, we're at the point now where you look around, you're saying, really? De- they they defunded police in Austin. We're going to get into more defund the police stuff, but they defunded police in Austin, $150 million. They're, they haven't even done anything with the money yet. They just said, let's let's have less money for cops. Their murder rate doubled. Oh, okay. that's you know what? Well done, Austin mayor. I mean, you think about this. How much dumber are they going to get? You know what their focus is? Buying up properties now to house the homeless population in. Uh, That's not going to make the homeless population go away or even necessarily help them. It's just going to encourage more people, more transients to show up in downtown Austin and, you know, urinate and defecate outside and harass and assault people and steal and use drugs and, you know, all the stuff that goes on. So, yeah, I was so glad. And, and I, you know, I, I put out the shout out to some uh, some of the KLBJ fam down there. And, and you know, I, I was happy to finally get some time on the ground in, in Austin. And the, yes, the food, the restaurants uh, credit where it's due. The restaurants are amazing. I mean, that's some of the best meals I've had in, I don't know, a couple of years, really. It was the food's incredible. And because it's Texas, people are a little bit nicer. And so there's some upside to it. But in terms of the policies, uh, these libs are out of their minds and, and their policies on things, including uh, masking in Austin. You know, everywhere you go, you know, ma- get up from the table, mask up, you know, sit down you take the mask off. I mean, it's so dumb. We should all just be so sick of it. It didn't save us. It didn't protect us. They were wrong. They were wrong. It's obvious. And anybody who argues me, it's like, okay, well, well, explain the epidemiology of I'm sitting here for two hours, breathing into a room, you know, without a mask on. I get up, I go to the bathroom, got a mask up for that. I walk in, got a mask up. While I while I wait for a second to go to my table, then I sit at the table, the mask up. I have this policy. at I know they got rid of the statewide mask mandate, but, you know, wherever there are libs, wherever there are Democrat, Biden, Harris voters in full control, you just have this insanity. No reasonableness. You know, and they're just all oh, you know, everywhere. The mass propaganda is everywhere and the social distancing propaganda. Oh, you know, say out, outdoors in the parks. Stay six feet away from each other. Don't get too close to each other. You know, it's like they're setting up little pens for people. Like, we're all animals. You know, you can only, only be with the animals from your own family. Can't mix with the other, you know, farm animals. It's absurd. This was in Texas. I know you say, Buck, Austin isn't. It is. It's Texas. So I had, I had a good time there, but it's like the libs are running an experiment to see how, much, how many cities they can ruin and how many lives they can destroy while the only upside is posting hashtag BLM on their Facebook page. That, that's really what we're up against now. I was at the US-Mexico border when the debates and the news coverage of the Makia Bryant case was at its peak. So I, I haven't had a chance to really talk to you about my, my thoughts on this case until now. And this is very troubling, uh, what happened here, because this should be an instance where anybody who understands law and order, who understands the need to protect life, who understands consequences of actions would say a police officer is justified in using lethal force to stop a person from stabbing to death another person in broad daylight right in front of him. I mean, if you were coming up with a, a textbook, training manual level, um, you, you know, lethal use of force situation, person trying to stab to death another person with butcher knife uh, or kitchen knife in, in front of a police officer, That's going to be a very good example to use. If a cop can't draw his weapon or her weapon and use it against a person who is in the process of murdering another human being, then then law enforcement and a a fundamental uh, foundational bargain we have with the state, so to speak, that they will have a monopoly on the use of force to protect us, although, as we know, we have our own firearms and so it's not an entirely a monopoly. Uh, it all falls apart. You know, after the, the Chauvin case and that verdict, which uh, which we've talked about a bit here on the show, I I knew that immediately the left wasn't going to say, OK, maybe the system does work. They said, well, this is just the first of many victories that they plan to rack up against. The police, not a police officer who used excessive force against the police as a general thing and, and throwing all the law enforcement officers under the bus in the process. But the Makia Bryan case, I must say, this, the, the, the dishonesty around this, the media, they, they leave out in headline after headline, story after story, She was trying to stab to death another young black woman. She was trying to stab to death another human being. It's on video. It's plain for all to see. The cop here is a hero, not a bad guy. I'm sorry for Ms. Bryant's family. I know she is 16. I understand the loss of a child is a terrible tragedy under any circumstances. That all said, a cop here saved a life by taking the life of an aggressor in a clear lethal force situation. That is what happened. If we abandon this, if we start to say, oh, but, 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 you know, you know, knives don't really count or or well, she was 16. So that doesn't count. Whatever. We're we're essentially keeping we're we're essentially keeping the door wide open for complete anarchy and mob rule on the streets. What cop would ever take the job? What cop would ever want the job? Knowing that in this circumstance, you actually use your gun and people are going to call you a racist and a murderer for it. He saved a black girl's life by using his weapon. It's very clear in the video. This woman, her arm reaches back with this knife. She's about to stab someone to death. You don't have to wait until the blade goes in. You don't have to wait until there's gushing from the carotid artery. You're supposed to act before that happens as a law enforcement officer. Is there really any debate or doubt about this? The left thinks so. White cop, killed the young black girl, racist and bad. That's, that is the narrative. A vicious, destructive narrative. It's a, it's a lie. And it destroys so much of what holds us together as a society when they do this stuff. But they don't care. Just a bunch of uh, just a bunch of civilizational arsonists. That's what the corporate media has become. And, of course, Democrat elected leadership. Here's here's Karen Bass on her version of of what happened here. Play four.
2: Well, let me just say that oftentimes when this happens, absolutely, there's an emotional reaction. But what Jen Saki said, I agree with, whether it applies to this case or not, I think is not the issue. You also had Adam Toledo, 13-year-old child. You know, he had a gun, he dropped it, he raised his hand. But don't we need
0: to be able to distinguish between cases? Yes. Even we, between Derek Chauvin,
2: that was murder yes, and this, which looks we, to me like a police, a righteous shooting. We absolutely need to distinguish. But we also need to look at policing overall. And one of the things that I hope we really address is maybe the focus needs to be on de-escalation. I know police officers are taught to shoot, to kill. A lot of people raise, well, why couldn't he have shot her in the leg? Why couldn't he have done all these different things? The point is, we have got to come up with a way to stop the so many people being killed in this country.
1: The people being killed in this country are not being killed by cops. If we're gonna talk about so many of them, this is the misuse of statistics, the misrepresentation of numbers to support a narrative. Cops are not the reason for the surge in murder. Actually, the reason for the surge in murder is the undermining of cops in the last year. Cops are a very, very, very small percentage of the lethal force incidents of any kind in this country. And yet, listen to just this Democrat representative just spewing nonsense, just garbage. Okay, this was, this was a case. They, they leapt on this again. The left jumped on it. They said, oh, Makia Bryant, 16-year-old girl, she's black, killed by a white guy, racism. No, it's not racism, actually. Sorry. You don't get to do that. You don't get to just pretend that every time a cop uses his weapon, he or she is the bad guy. There are bad cops. There are mistakes. But we're not letting them get away with treating this like every incident that BLM comes up with where the narrative goes way beyond the facts or even completely misrepresents the facts to support a political cause. In this case, the political cause. Is identity politics, the Democrat Party, undermining of police, the whole thing. It's so disgraceful, and people are suffering because of this. Okay, Makia Bryant got shot because she was trying to stab another human being to death. She made a very bad decision. It doesn't matter that she was 16. It was a question of life and death for the person she was trying to stab. And the Democrats, the dishonesty around this, it's, they're appalling. Jen Psaki, that nitwit idiot, appalling what they've said about this. LeBron James, that spoiled brat, disgusting with his tweet about the police officer. Don't, I'm I'm never watching the NBA again, I'll tell you that much. Not that I've been watching it anyway. It's garbage. Oh, it's that time of year where I'm trying to get all my stuff done. You know, tax day got pushed back and I got all this admin. And uh, but, you know, one of the things about doing it and just setting yourself up is you give yourself peace of mind and, you know, you got to do it. So now's the time, right? Procrastination just makes things harder. And, you know, if you're at that stage of life where you're just buying a home, having babies, trying to build your financial future, You need to secure your family's future by establishing a will or trust at trustandwill.com. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who would get your stuff in the event, and and plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home. You know, hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands, and using a one-size-fits-all template is not specialized enough for your needs trust and will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in with live customer support seven days a week trust and will.com's team is available to answer any questions you have while setting up your plan i've been on the site it's so easy straightforward and just get it done do it now gain peace of mind at trust and buck and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents, the hard copies, they'll send them to you. Don't wait, go right now. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash buck. The Supreme Court has granted cert, meaning that they will actually hear a case about concealed carry in New York. Hmm, Could this be lining up a real win for the Second Amendment? And also, what's the state of the Biden administration's gun grab efforts. We'll get into that with our friend Cam Edwards. He is the editor of BearingArms.com. Cam, great to have you.
5: Hey, Buck. Thanks so much for the invite.
1: So tell me what's going on here with this this Supreme Court case, New York, concealed carry. Where are we?
5: Yeah, this is a, a big deal. Um, you know, this is a case that challenges the, the carry licensing laws in in New York State, not New York City in particular, because you've got sort of this two-tiered system uh, in New York State, although New York City's gun laws could certainly be impacted by this court case. And basically what's being challenged uh, is the discretionary issuing of these licenses. You know, if you live in 42 states, uh, you live in a place that that recognizes your right to carry uh, and has a what we call a shall issue system, meaning... If you meet the statutory requirements, you know, you've you've passed your background check, you've undergone your training, then you get your concealed carry license when you apply. New York is one of a handful of states like California, Maryland, and Massachusetts that give broad discretion to law enforcement to deny a concealed carry license to anybody because they don't recognize a general right of self-defense. So in order for you to get a concealed carry license, you have to be special you have to be different you have to be somehow above the average citizen because the average citizen doesn't have the right to bear arms in self defense in these states
1: it's remarkable because i know in new york city if you're a celebrity and you have connections you can get a concealed carry permit other mm-hmm. than that unless you can prove that you're moving large amounts of you know diamonds or or precious metals cash in your business day to day you have almost no chance of getting a concealed carry license. I mean, you know, why H- Howard, S- Howard Stern gets a concealed carry <laughs> permit, but I don't. Why? Exactly.
5: Look, Donald Trump had a concealed carry license in New York City. But, you know, uh, none of the folks working in Trump Tower had a concealed carry license because they can't get one. Uh, and I have no problem with Donald Trump getting a concealed carry license. But, you know, the, the guy who owns the bodega a couple of blocks over, who wants to be able to protect himself and his family while he's at work, Well, he has the same right as Donald Trump does to keep and bear arms. It's just that the uh, the the city of New York and the state of New York, they don't see it that way.
1: How do you think this will shake out? I know that that reading the tea leaves and trying to get ahead of where the Supreme Court even is, they're going to hear this this case. But I Mm -hmm. can't even think I can't even think of a an argument that could be made that's reasonable that even, let's say, John Roberts, who is always a concern here would go along with on on the pro, prohibition side of this equation?
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, on paper, we should have at least five votes, even without Justice John Roberts. Uh, we've got, you know, uh, uh, red Kavanaugh. We've got uh, Justice Scalia, excuse me, uh, Justice Alito, uh, Justice Thomas, Justice Gorsuch. And now we've got uh, Justice Barrett, you know, all of whom have Express support um, for the right to keep and bear arms. Several of those justices have actually urged the court to to take a second amendment case over the past few years, saying that lower courts were abusing uh, the Heller decision and the McDonald decision, which struck down D.C. and Chicago's handgun bans, respectively. So, I, you know, I, I think there is reason for cautious optimism for at least a 5-4 decision. Um, I, I'd love to see Justice Roberts join along. Frankly, I'd love to see a, a, a unanimous nine nothing. A decision in favor of our right to keep and bear arms but I don't think that's going to happen unfortunately I think the liberal wing of the court is still going to try to explain that uh, our rights are, are not actually individual rights at all they're they're you know a right to join a militia but they're not a right to carry a handgun in
1: self-defense speaking to cam Edwards he's the editor of bearingarms.com and also the host of the 40 acre fool podcast um, cam I, I, I'm hearing that there are some states that are that are moving toward more, uh, more permissive carry requirements as well. What can you tell me about that?
5: Yeah, absolutely. This is the other side of the coin, Buck. I mean, you've got, you know, as I said, eight states left in the country that that still have these sort of discretionary laws in place. You have 42 states that are shall issue, uh, but you have 20 states that are constitutional carry or permitless carry. In other words, they they still have their concealed carry licensing system, but as long as you're a legal gun owner no permit is required for you to carry. And we've actually seen four states just this year adopt permitless carry legislation. Utah, Montana, uh, Tennessee, and Iowa have all embraced permitless carry since January 1st of this year. So, you know, even if folks want to, you know, try to claim that, well, back in 1776, nobody walked around carrying a gun, which is false. Even if you adopt this sort of, you know, living constitution theory, well, the fact remains that Americans in 2021 uh, are just as wedded to our right to keep and bear arms as they were back in 1791 when the Bill of Rights was ratified.
1: Cam, are we seeing anything, you know, bubbling up from the the gun grabbers at the federal level, the Biden administration still, but we had a couple of there were, there were a, a number of mass shootings that occurred and we, we went right back into, oh, we we need to have all these changes made we need we start hearing about the gun show loophole we started we go well, what happened with all of that
5: yeah well I, you know joe manson's what happened to it uh because he said that he's not in favor of the the language uh that, that has passed out of the house in terms of these background check bills so uh congress appears to be stymied right now although chris murphy of of connecticut did say last week that he sees a path to 60 votes and he's apparently been reaching out to republicans Talking about maybe a scaled down version, maybe something like a a Mansion-Toomey bill that would uh, require background checks at gun shows and, and online sales, but would not cover, uh, you know, uh, private transfers between family and friends. I, I still think that's the wrong way to go. I mean, look, Buck, these are largely unenforceable and surely unconstitutional gun control laws. They 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 won't make a difference in terms of fighting violent crime, which is on the increase around the country. Uh, But we need to focus on those violent offenders as opposed to trying to ban or arrest our way to safety. And the Biden administration is still stuck on this mentality of, well, no, let's just put more gun laws on the books. Even at the same time, you've got other Democrats saying, well, we need to abolish the police. (laughs) You've got, you know, a a very schizophrenic Democratic Party. They can't decide if they want to try to pass, you know, uh, new nonviolent felony offenses or if they are possessory offenses, not even violent offenses, new nonviolent possessory offenses. Or if they want to try to get rid of our nation's law enforcement.
1: Do we have some sense, Cam, of of whether are we at the uh, an all time high for American gun, legal gun ownership and legal guns in circulation? It it would seem like that could be the case.
5: We're certainly at an all time high in terms of gun sales. There are more than 20 million firearms sold last year, according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, Uh, in terms of a, a percentage of the population. You know, it, it, it might not be as high as it was several decades ago, but we are seeing more Americans every day uh, embrace the right to keep in their arms. And I think that is a, a really, really good thing, particularly when you see, you know, we just had a, a new Asian-American uh, Second Amendment group start up just a couple of weeks ago uh, in response to the the, 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 the the threats and the violence that we're seeing against that community. Uh, You've got the National African-American Gun Association, which is growing by thousands of members a month. And then you've got, you know, the traditional Second Amendment groups like the Second Amendment Foundation, Gun Owners of America, NRA, that uh, they say they're all as well uh, seeing growth in terms of their members. So I I think we are in a in a renaissance for our right to keep and bear arms where more Americans, including many who never, ever considered exercising their rights before, are, are now choosing to do so. And I think it's a very good thing.
1: And do you believe we're going to see some data? uh, You know, it's perhaps a little bit early in this, but data for, I always remember the John Lott book, More Guns, Less Crime, talking about concealed Mm -hmm. carry permit increases in areas where there's high violent crime. And you can draw, you can actually see, based on the numbers and the statistics, a decline in violent crime in areas that allow concealed carry versus those that don't, especially when when they institute that new legislation. Have we seen any data, Cam, about, how you know gun sales gun gun permits are affecting you know are some states getting hit worse than others with the increase in violent crime that could be attributed to uh, or or rather that could you you see what i'm saying i mean do we have any data on this yet
5: well you know we no not any firm data uh the fbi uniform crime report will be out in probably a couple of months at least for the uh the first six months of 2020 and and that'll be really interesting to see but You know, we do know that the homicide rate in places like New York City, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, uh, Portland, Oregon, Chicago, places with a lot of gun control laws on the books, they did see their firearms homicide rate increase exponentially last year, uh, despite all those gun control laws that were on the books. Anecdotally, uh, Oklahoma City was actually one of the few major cities that did not see an increase in homicide. And Oklahoma is a constitutional carry state. So you you would anticipate, right, that if if more gun control laws equaled safer streets, that New York City or, you know, Oklahoma City would have led the way in terms of an increase in violent crime. Instead, it was the opposite. You saw places that restrict the the right to keep and bear arms, see, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent increases in their homicide rate. And there's, you know, Oklahoma City, where if you're a legal gun owner, you can lawfully carry without a license. And they bucked the trend. I think that's worth exploring
1: everyone's always got to be on the lookout for bucking the trend camp <laughs> great to have you man editor of bearingarms.com cam thanks so much buddy appreciate your expertise as always
5: you bet
0: anytime, Buck. you mentioned police reform yeah. a couple of times the house of course has passed mm-hmm. uh, the bill that you were a co-sponsor of mm-hmm. when you were in the senate but it doesn't have there's not a high hope for it to pass as is in the united states senate so you know You talked about the fact that you have a special responsibility. The president talked about Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that he would always have the backs of African-Americans in this country. So will you and he get more involved in the informal negotiations going on? And if so, how? Well, we've made our
4: um, position clear, each of us. And as an administration, we've made our position clear. But it is for the folks in the Senate um, to, to work together to resolve um, whatever may be differences of opinion about the, the details of the legislation. But I think there's no question that the American people, um, in a bipartisan way, realize and, 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 and want that there will be some reform of this system.
1: Nope, not true. There's not, there's not bipartisan demand for police reform. There's a Democrat thing want everyone to be very clear. on this is Democrats who say they want police reform. The Democrat base is running around screaming about defunding police. The Democrat leadership is calling it police reform. And those of us who actually know something about law enforcement and statistics when it comes to crime and the truth. That's just a, a broad concept. The truth and thinking that it still matters. We hear this stuff from Kamala. We hear what what she's saying, and you just recognize it's all propaganda. There's no serious police reform effort. What do they think? Oh, getting rid of qualified immunity? You think that that you're going to have good people signing up to be law enforcement officers if every time a cop has to wrestle some crazy crackhead to the ground or some guy high on meth or, you know, whoever... And, you know, they they scrape their chin or they, you know, they, they, uh, you know, bust up their shoulder a little bit because the cop is wrestling with them because they're resisting arrest. You can sue the, the cop personally, directly. What what person going to want to sign up for that job? Who's going to want to be a part of law enforcement if that becomes the reality? Mm, indeed, there's not really a lot of clarity on this, is there from the Democrats? Uh, they don't seem to understand what's going to happen here. They, they don't seem to really know that what's gone on already, and you see this from the last the data from the last twelve months: attacking cops, undermining law enforcement, hurts law and order, which hurts people. It means that there's real suffering from this. You know, victims of violent crime not only are they harmed and 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 of course in in pain and all of it from the actual act. They suffer with trauma long after the incident, real trauma, not, oh, my gosh, somebody like made a joke on a TV show. I don't like trauma, real trauma. That's what victims of violent crime deal with, not the lib snowflake make-believe trauma of, you know, a conservative speaker coming to a college campus. So there's real pain here that comes from these bad ideas. And that's what I think there's not enough of a focus on in these debates and discussions, that when Democrats get their way with stuff like defund the police or or just hurting law enforcement efforts people suffer they hurt people with that and then and then but the democrats pretend that it's it's bipartisan yeah like we we all agree with them on this instead why even pretend they have to try to get us to agree when they'll just say we agree and then do whatever they want oh yeah 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 the republicans said they want to do this too let's just you know executive order from biden they say this about gun Gun reform it's always reform, you know it's not control, it's not it's uh, you know not bans, it's not buybacks or whatever, right? It's always reform now. play fifteen.
4: Congress has to act exactly because we have to codify it that's a fancy word for make permanent, make the law that we agree we should have background checks. That's just reasonable gun safety laws. We should have an assault weapons ban. Assault weapons have been designed to kill a lot of people quickly. They are weapons of war. And and Congress has to act, Dana. I mean, you know, I was recently in Connecticut. Um, Senators Murphy and Blumenthal and, and, and the governor, there are so many people, the families of Sandy Hook, you know, I honestly thought I honestly thought that when those babies, 26 and seven year old children were slaughtered, I really thought Congress would act. I thought that would be the thing. And it didn't happen. And, um, and but do you think it can happen? My, my it question was about But my it question was about happen. your
0: priority as an administration. But pushing it is it part harder. of
4: our priority. We have to multitask.
1: Yeah. Multitask. When's she going to get to the border? Buck's been to the border. Has Kamala been in the border this year? Just just wondering. What the, the vice president's plane can't fly down there. What's the problem? But on, on the gun control issue uh, or the, the just agitating, lawful gun owners issue, because that's really what they do with this stuff. Um, she says they need back. We have background checks. Oh, we need more background checks. OK, that's really going to stop. Criminals from, from murdering people That's that's a great idea uh, we, we keep going back to the same Arguments with Democrats because ultimately This is all about power not about reality uh, In terms of Dealing with problems And we need to Make sure that we don't just get worn down By the endless Propagandizing and lies they tell Because it does get exhausting I will say that I'm exhausted with the Biden-Harris bull crap already I did have some really good food <laughs> in Austin over the weekend, but I got to say, I I think when it comes to my proteins, when it comes to my steaks, my chicken, my burgers, I can do it as good as anybody. And you know why? I've got the best product, Moink. All right, Moink is grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon. It gets sent right to your door in a box, okay? It's packed, frozen, ready to go right in your freezer. You thaw it out, and like I've done, you'll make the most amazing whole roast chickens. The bacon is succulent and delicious. All you have to do is sign up at moinkbox.com buck. That's right, moinkbox.com buck, and you'll get a moink box sent right to your door with all these incredible grass-fed, pasture-raised meats. You've got the wild salmon, top quality stuff, and you'll be helping family farmers become financially independent outside the grip of big agriculture. They guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Join the moink movement today. Go to moinkbox, M-O-I-N-K, box, moinkbox.com slash buck, and listeners to this show get a free year of ground beef. That's moinkbox.com slash buck, M-O-I-N-K box.com slash buck. It is Harsanyi time. Our friend David Harsanyi from National Review with us now. Go to nationalreview.com for his latest. Mr. David, great to have you.
3: Always great to be here. Thank you.
1: I was at the border last week, so I I missed some of the uh, the back and forth because I was busy trying to actually do in the field reporting on, on immig- illegal immigration issues. Uh, some, some of the discussion around... This most recent police shooting involving this young woman, Makia Bryant, I was not I can't say I'm surprised anymore. You know, I, I don't really always have the words at hand here, but um, it, it is amazing. I think I could say that that there are people that seem to claim now and in the media that uh, wanting to stab, that, that trying to stab another person with a six or seven inch long, uh, very sharp knife is not actually a lethal force situation.
3: Well what I think happened was that the timing of that shooting worked perfectly for them for their political needs. And then when they you know more information came out, it was obvious that it was a justified shooting. and but then they were sort of boxed into a corner and they had to defend it. at least some people, then other people I think are just insane. But you know, you have someone who that cop, from all the evidence we have or, or see, saved a, another young girl's life and i'm not sure you know the things that people say now you, you know you need to talk them down you need to shoot them in the leg you know i was surprised they didn't say like shoot the knife out of her hand I and mean, people live in a fantasy world once you draw a gun in a situation like that and you, you you know cops have to shoot to kill there's no other you know cops don't shoot for your foot as far as i know and um so I don't know, you know, well, and then it's, it just, it's just a couple impression. things
1: on that. I mean, because this is this came up and Congresswoman Bass, for example, went on the Sundays, one of the Sunday shows and said, yeah, people that are talking about shooting the leg. And uh, it's hard to shoot somebody in the leg in a situation like this where they're moving. And and and, and beyond that, uh, cops don't train to do that. And also. Uh, that's very unlikely to stop someone from stabbing somebody else to death. Actually, people don't really necessarily understand this. It's very easy to get shot in the leg and still be able to swing your arm. And I, whether it's pull the trigger or swing your arm and kill somebody or stab someone. So it's just, people say these things out loud, David. And I, and I think it's important. We understand that it it comes largely from ignorance. I mean, these are, these are actually stupid things to say. It's not like this is an, an opinion that's intelligent, that should be taken seriously. But some of those who hold these opinions are either in positions of public uh, trust and power or supposed to be informing the public. And that's what's so troubling to me.
3: Yeah, I mean, people just take this, you know, perfunctory anti-cop position because it's a cop shooting, shooting someone of color. You know, automatically we know who's guilty and who's innocent. I mean, that's just, it's just not how it works in the real world. These things go down, with, you know, in, in seconds. And cops have to make choices. Now, sometimes cops are bad people, but mo- most often I just don't buy that they're going around looking to shoot young, you know, black, teen- you know, teenagers. It's just, it's just an outrageous remark. And you saw what LeBron did. He put a picture up of of the cop and said, "You're next" or whatever. I mean, it's just all emotion, and it's get- getting to a point where it's actually quite dangerous. Who's going to want to be a cop? If if they can't you know if they go out there and they have to worry about politics all the time it seems it seems like a really bad situation you're setting up because the communities that often need cops the most won't have the right kind of people being policemen.
1: You know, for a long time we're speaking to David Harsani, senior writer at NationalReview.com. David, for for a long time I feel like conservatives have been saying, you know, the the woke sports stuff has ever since Kaepernick. It's just been more in your face and getting worse all the time. But we say, okay, you know, I'm not going to watch this or I'm not going to watch that. Now, I have to say, just to be as always honest with my audience, I don't really watch professional sports anymore. And I haven't for years now. I used to watch football before that. I used to watch basketball, but I I basically just I opt out. I I don't care. I think it's a waste. I'm seeing, though, with with this with this LeBron tweet and and it's a lot, it's cumulative. but, But I feel like people now have just they've really had enough, actually. That, that's especially, you know, LeBron James, a billionaire who runs around talking about how cops just want to murder unarmed black men for no reason and, and uses a platform to really say stupid and harmful things and, and just show such a lack of gratitude, not just for law enforcement, but for the country that's allowed him to become this global, you know, unbelievably wealthy superstar. I, th- I think people have actually had enough. And I'm wondering if you see that, too, or if I'm too optimistic.
3: No, I see that and I definitely see it with myself even and I'm I'm a big fan of professional sports. I worked as a you know I was in sport sports writer for years before I got into political writing and I um am I'm having a hard time with it. I'm not even really a boycotting type. I don't really do that but uh it's it's quite difficult now with the NBA, I'm and knicks fans so it's like like i've been paying that much attention until recently anyway so it's been easy so i've never really had to make those kind of choices but with baseball for instance what went on with the all-star game um you know being moved from atlanta to denver things like that it's getting more and more difficult for me to watch watch the you know this and um yeah i mean I, lebron he has great physical attributes. I'm sure he worked his ass off. I'm sorry to get to where he is. I don't know if I could say that, but he definitely uh, is not a smart man. And there's no reason for us to listen to him when it comes to these kind of situations. In fact, he is sort of creating, a, a you know, he has how many 15 million followers on Twitter or something? I mean, he's creating and fueling more anger where we're in the situation in Columbus, for instance, where there shouldn't have been any. And it's a day he's. You know he's peddling dangerous myths, and that, you know, it wouldn't I don't be surprising at all. I mean,
1: I just if if somebody decided to to be you know to take violent action against that cop in response to that LeBron James tweet, let's say, nobody would be like, oh my gosh, how how could that happen, right? I mean, you're saying you're next. You're one of the most prominent um, black celebrities and and influencers in the world, and you're basically telling your followers like we're coming for you. Uh, you know, it's it's not that far from incitement. And I mean, I think you know, I think LeBron James is I think he's a shameful moron. And I think people should understand that he's a he's good at basketball. He is not good at thinking about important policy issues, and and you know, enough is enough. Like we've I think we've actually reached the point where I, I don't need to hear from any semi literate, spoiled brat athlete who has a social position that they want to flaunt on social media. They can do it. They have a right to do it. I have a right to call them morons and not actually pay attention to anything they do.
3: Right. Or coaches like Steve Kerr or owners. Uh, I mean, commissioners like baseball commissioner. I mean, who cares what you have to say about some local. Oh, yeah, Pop-
1: Popovich is horrible, for yeah. example. He's pathetic right. on this stuff.
3: Oh, yeah. He he's just sounds like a commie. It's ridiculous. I mean, he makes tons of money coaching basketball. But anyway, you know, I mean, so all these guys, I, I don't really need to hear from them. Typically, I would just ignore them. But now, you know, they're moving all-star games for, for you know, they're 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 costing people jobs over mi- mythology, right? A left-wing mythology, and they're writing letters that sound like something a uh, you know some freshman would write in college. It's just, it's just aggravating and it makes it very difficult to watch, you know, w- want to participate and, and, and pay their salaries. We're so to David if, Arsani,
1: a senior writer at National Review. And, you know, David, I, I also think that people are seeing more and more now. We're, we're almost at this hundred days. I know Biden's got a speech on on Wednesday. Uh, this is just the uh, this is the, uh, the the ideology and the approach of the Obama administration through the the feckless uh mediocrity Joe Biden. That's really all we're getting.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's actually sort of, uh, you know, the same the same issues are, are important to him, it seems, but also that they're just revved up further to the left than they were. It's the same kind of straw man, the same kind of, um, you know, the same kind of string of opponents, the same kind of pretend bipartisanship efforts that never really happen. And, uh, and you know, I think that the conservatives are, are more in tune with this. I think when Obama became president, there was some goodwill there. I don't think that goodwill exists really anymore, and it shouldn't. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be, yeah, you never know what happens in the world. There are events pop up and things change. But so far, I think he's been he's re- been really mediocre and he had a chance actually to bring people together. I know that that never really happens, but he didn't really try to take it at all.
1: Uh, David, uh, we're speaking to David Harsani of NationalReview.com. David, uh, you're up on this on this John Kerry story, which you know I, I just I think John Kerry is actually the perfect climate change ambassador. Just a a snob who you know achieved his money through marrying two very rich ladies, by the way, whose money came from their ex husbands. Uh, you know, a, a snob who flies around on private jets to go to conferences to talk about how to unnecessarily tax and make less poor and more miserable the rest of the world so that they think they're saving the planet from this imaginary catastrophe. Uh, But there was something else that John Kerry did recently. It has to do with with Israel and Iran. Bring everybody up to speed.
3: Well, there were leaked tapes from the Iranian foreign minister talking to one of his allies, you know, they were making some kind of show, but this was off the record conversation. And, he, and among many other things that he said, he said that John Kerry had told him about at least, that's a quote, 200 covert Israeli op- operations in Syria that had happened. Now, th- if you think about this for a second, we have Iran is a, a, is a terror state. It, it is Its Revolutionary Guard is considered a terrorist organization. And um, we're trying to make a deal with them to, to not have nuclear weapons, supposedly. But John, K- Israel's our ally. Now, you could be critical of Israel, whatever. It's a longtime ally. And John Kerry is telling the terror state the covert operations of our ally in Syria. Syrians just fired a rocket into Israel the other day, tried to hit their nuclear facility. So... That is, I think, unprecedented. I can't think of something like that ever have hap- happening. And the New York Times mentioned it on paragraph like 26 in their story, and the Washington Post didn't even mention it in the story about this. So, um, yeah, you're right about John Kerry. It's perfect to be a climate ambassador.
1: And the the climate change stuff. Did you see the that that uh, uh, the Biden, the only guy wearing a mask on this. Uh, all these other world leaders, Biden's wearing a mask. I I don't want I I refuse to take seriously any person anymore who says wearing a mask is not political. It has been explicitly political for Democrats really for a year now.
3: Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean... They talk about they, they have more patriotic to things to say about masks than they do about a flag. I mean, it's just it's been incredible. And even so today, I don't know if you saw this, that Fauci was saying that the CDC was going to come out with new guidelines that we don't really need masks outside. Well, if we didn't need masks outside, now, yeah, we never needed them. Right. It's, 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 it just makes no sense. Oh, so just
1: just to jump, just to jump to the conclusion, David, it, we did never need them outside right?
3: like this. This,
1: <laughs> this has been clear all along. I've been telling people this for over a year. And, you know, I just want to know when. When, when do I get, you know, my the strikes on me on social media and the suspensions and all this stuff that I've had for saying things explicitly, specifically like masking outdoors makes no sense. You know, it, it was all just suppression in support of the narrative. And and I just believe that they were able to mix together anti-Trumpism with Fauciism in this way that we're just now. be People are just beginning to wake up to the full extent of it.
3: You saw that MIT study where it said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're six feet away from someone or 60 if you're inside or if you wear a mask, it doesn't make a difference. Yep. So, um, you know, they used this science to basically suppress religious freedom, the the ability to gather to make political political marches or, or whatever. Well, some political marches, others were allowed. And really, there was no real good science to back it up. Now, you can maybe forgive it in the beginning when they don't know what's going on. But after a while, it was pretty clear to a lot of people what was going on, including yourself. And then they kept oppressing people and uh, were suppressing their their rights. So that is a lesson hopefully people will learn from, though. I'm pretty skeptical of that in this case.
1: David Harsanyi, everybody, go to nationalreview.com for his latest. And uh, if you're on Twitter, follow at David Harsanyi. David, thanks so much, my friend
3: anytime. Thank you.
0: Well, during the campaign he made us all believe that Joe Biden would be the moderate choice, that he really that court packing was a bonehead idea. All of a sudden we got a commission to change the structure of the Supreme Court, uh, making D.C. a state. I think that's a very radical idea that will change the makeup of the United States Senate. AOC said his first hundred days exceeded her expectations. That's all you need to know. I like Joe Biden, but I'm in the 43%. He's been a disaster strong foreign policy. The border is in chaos. The Iranians are off the mat. He's opening up negotiations with the Iranian regime, and they haven't done a damn thing to change. Afghanistan's going to fall apart. Uh, Russia and China are, are pushing, already pushing him around. So I'm very worried. I think he's been a very destabilizing president. And economically, he's throwing a wet blanket over the recovery, wanting to raise taxes in a large amount and regulate America basically out of business. So I'm not very impressed with the first 100 days. This is not what I thought I would get from Joe Biden.
1: What has Joe Biden made better through his decision making and and through policy? I know there are more vaccines, uh, you know, more vaccination shots that are out. but that was always that was already on track. That was already happening when he came into office. What what is something Joe Biden has done that you'd say, you know what, even though I don't agree with this guy. I'm really thinking about this one. Is there? uh, Okay, he's going to continue with the Trump uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan plan. Okay, that's, we'll see if he does it. We'll see if he sticks to it. But that makes things uh, better. But that's a continuation of previous policy. That's not some big decision going against the grain. Where have you seen an improvement in your life because this guy's the president? I haven't seen it anywhere. There's nothing I can think of. I mean, I just came from the border. I told you, the border border is the worst it's ever been, which affects so much all over the country and so much in our society. So what is it that you can show? What is it that you can point to? You say, oh, that's right, Joe Biden, he's done a good job at, well, if you're a leftist, there's a lot of things you could fill in the blank with. We're hearing more and more from the progressive left about how Joe Biden's actually, a really good president, a really good leader. Here he is. Play clip one.
4: One thing
5: that I will say is that I do think that um, the Biden administration and President Biden has definitely exceeded
3: expectations that progressives had. Uh, you know, I'll be frank. I think a lot of us expected a much more conservative administration.
1: A more conservative administration. Ah, uh, yeah. No one thought that Joe Biden was going to have a conservative administration or that anyone would use that word to describe any aspect of it. But here's what the Democrats did. And this is something that they have honed. This is a skill that they have gotten very good at over the years. They have. okay, they have made the affirmative decision in election after election to lie to the American people about what their party really stands for and what their candidate really is. In the primary, they're pushing one thing. You know, they're pushing the left-wing socialist nonsense that we know they all really believe in. But then the general election, it's, oh, good old Scranton Joe. You can trust him. He is every bit the Trojan horse that I warned you and anyone who would listen about all of last year. And he's also the uh, sub-mediocrity just intellectually and and it comes to his integrity and courage. I mean, it's, it's truly astonishing, this guy's president of the United States. I mean, I know, I know he won the election and I know he's the leader of the free world, but Joe Biden's a loser. He's just a loser. And unfortunately now the country's going to be losing because of him.
0: Rock and roll, fellow patriots. It's time for roll
1: call. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, wow, wow. Producer Mark, buddy, how much did you miss your favorite radio host? I know I was away from you for days. For days. Did our, did, did our buddy Rob Smith uh, take care of everything? Everything okay?
6: When did you become my favorite radio host?
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. Harsh. Sorry. Way I, harsh. I
6: haven't insulted you on the air in a few days. Yeah. To you know,
1: probably like there's stuff. some guy, you know, the, you know, blah, 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 blah. The madman on WKTRSVTVUW Sports Network. You know, there's probably some who is actually the best sports broadcaster, would you say?
6: Best sports broadcaster radio. or radio, radio. Host? Uh, my favorite, I don't know if he's the best. No, I'm
1: the best radio host, period. Who's the best sports radio broadcaster?
6: Uh, my favorite is what I will throw out there, and that is uh, Craig Carton, and a lot of people may have a problem with that because he is technically a convicted felon. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. No. Um, he was uh, number was one. Was he the
1: one who was um biting the ladies uh, on the behind?
6: No, 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 nothing, uh, no violent crime, no anything like that. Oh no, he... That
1: was Marv Albert, right? <laughs>
6: I don't think that was Marf Albert. I think he, um, Marf Albert's the one who was cross-dressing.
1: I thought he bit uh, the lady on, maybe the, he um, did. on the behind.
6: I, I, maybe he did. I don't okay, know. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. But uh, Craig Carden was a, a very popular morning show host on WFAN in New York, uh, and then got involved. Uh, basically, he had a gambling addiction, and he used other people's money to gamble with for when he was supposed to be using it for another business, and oh. uh, he went to jail for a year. WFA and rehired him recently, and uh, I mean he 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 uh, is a host that bothered. He's like you know how Howard Stern. He's you either love him or hate him. Mm. Carton is very similar to that, and I, I've always he, you know when I was a kid I really liked him, and I still like him to this day.
1: All right, fair enough. Yeah. There we go. Well, apparently you're 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 still okay. You know you didn't get uh, no one no one kidnap my producer Mark. Nothing. I don't have to go all Liam Neeson from Taken to go track him down and save his save his butt. You know. So you're okay. I'm glad I could leave you a couple days. You didn't burn the house down. Well, Mrs. Mark was obviously watching over you, yes. so that's good. Well, you we didn't trust get Mrs. kidnapped. Mark.
6: That's the most important part.
1: Yeah, I was down there at the border, and we did have, uh, you know, we did have some uh, some cartel gunfire in the background, which was pretty pretty uh, good reminder of how uh, you go to that Mexico side of the border, and uh, it is rough stuff happening there. Not a lot of pe- people don't even realize they tried last year in the probably the wealthiest and most secure neighborhood of Mexico City, which is the capital, the cartel tried a, an ambush to kill the chief of of police of Mexico City. Like that, ha- I mean, if something like that happened in an American city, we would com- we would be all so outraged, uh, rightly so, we'd be completely freaked out. Happened in Mexico, people don't even know about it. So, I don't know. But you know there are all these resorts that people say are all inclusive there that are really great so you know I might go check it out at some point.
6: I love an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean there you've never been to one.
1: I've been to I haven't been to an all-inclusive uh. in a very long time and I, I always feel like all-inclusive. It, it's not going to be the same quality as if you're paying. For, but I'm told that's not true now. No, I'm told it's not that they're true. all inclusives where it's really high end stuff you're getting. Like the the food is usually the concern for, you know, I, I, I'm I'm snobby about. I like good food. Sure. I just like good food.
6: It depends on where you go, like where we uh, me and my wife went for our honeymoon was fantastic. But obviously you have to pay a little more for stuff like that. And then you can get a bargain resort that maybe the quality won't be as good, but you'll still have a good time. Yeah, that's
1: true. Huh. Well, I need some warm weather and uh And, uh, you know, a beach, and I'll I'll be in pretty good shape. But anyway. It'll be warm uh, here soon, Mark, Mark. What's up?
6: It'll be warm here soon.
1: That's true. And uh, I can go out to Long Beach or Jones Beach, right? Or whatever the Long Island South Shore beaches are.
6: They have lovely beaches out there on Long Island.
1: I'm saying I could go out to those beaches. Or the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Which, from what I understand, actually has so many lovely parts, but people now just associate it with the show, and snooky and smooshing.
6: hold on, say that last word again. Smooshing? <laughs> smooshing.
1: Oh, it's smooshing? Yeah. I thought I thought when one I thought when one is you know, has yeah. been out to enough dinners and has met the parents to make to make babies one would smoosh, but you're saying it's smoosh. Special fun, fun time. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it was the Smush Room. Ah. No. Uh, so Smush might be a different thing.
6: If you watch that show as a sitcom, like you if you go into it saying I'm watching a sitcom, not a reality show, it is one of the funniest shows out there.
1: Ah. Yeah. It, it was wildly popular. I remember that. And the guy who I feel like was one of the the smartest of the whole bunch was the one with the with the very unique hairstyle who then became a DJ, and I remember hearing that he, at one year, made $20 million as a DJ.
6: DJ Pauly D.
1: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah.
6: Yeah, He is a very successful DJ. I want to make
1: $20 million as a DJ. You just sit there and just go, yeah, pump it up. Yeah. Like, yell and, you know, press the play button.
6: I think they do a little more than that.
1: I don't know. It's a playlist. At least in the old days, the DJs had to scratch, you know, the, "What, what,
6: what, what? they you know? still do that. It's just in a digital way. There's not actual records there. Ah, uh, yeah. No. Fair
1: enough. All right. I missed all of you. So let me get to your roll call thoughts here. And I did miss you guys. I'm sorry I was out for a couple of days. Not plenty to be out again for a long time. So uh, I'm very glad to be back here with you. And I, I hope my guest host did a very, uh, I, I hear he did a very solid job of keeping all informed and entertained. That's the plan. Let's get to it. Michelle. Dear Buck, I'm a relatively new listener, only for the past five months, but I remember seeing you on Fox News when I used to watch that channel. I want to say I thoroughly enjoy your show and often listen with my 12- and 17-year-old sons in the car on the way home from school. They get a kick out of the voices, as do I, but the best thing is I know they're actually listening to you. They ask me questions about the things you talk about and seem genuinely interested in the content. I'm looking forward to listening to the Battle of Malta podcast with them in the car. Keep up the good work and shields high. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. And I'm recording Malta, uh, Malta part two this weekend. I've already got the research done and everything. So that's the plans so it'll be out next week. Listen to Malta part one, though, please. All of you, if you haven't already. Um, and, and you know, that's it's a great precursor. The second one's going to be the actual battle. And some of you might enjoy that as a, as a standalone podcast a little bit more. But the, the preamble to know the backstory and everything else is really worth your time. A lot of rich history, a lot of stuff going on. There's some other battles we talk about. So, uh, and, and Michelle, I'm so glad that your sons, your 12-year-old, your 7-year-old listen. I hope I can uh, teach them, keep them entertained. And if they don't like the politics, they can always get Dr. Fauci. Oh, Governor Cuomo, why, why would your sons are listening to me? Do they understand that I have their best interest at heart all the time? Let me explain why. Why would a governor want to help your sons? Because... He doesn't want even to talking about all the naughty things the governor did because the governor was very bad in New York. You get the idea. Richard. Buck, I just finished uh, listening to a podcast. I completely agree with your listener who suggested you do a series on fascism. Amen. I agree with your assessment that DeSantis and Pompeo will be a formidable ticket for the Republicans in 2024. I was mulling that combination a couple of weeks ago. Two Ivy Leaguers who don't act like it. I hope that Trump does not run in 2024. I will not vote for him in a primary. Most of my family and conservative friends have similar thoughts. I support the vast majority of his policies and positions, but find him objectionable in many ways, not the least of which was that he surrounded himself with advisors who steered him in the wrong direction too many times. Also, I resent his knee-jerk criticisms of Mike Pence and Bill Barr. Keep up the great work. Yeah, Richard, you'll notice I never jumped on the uh, the bash Bill Barr train. I I thought that was really I thought it was unfair. I thought it was wrong. Uh, I think Bill Barr did a lot to stand against the left wing menace. And I think that he he was very solid for the administration. I think that he kept Trump out of trouble on a lot of things. And uh, people that that turned on Barr with the election. I'm sorry. I think they were misled. I don't think that Barr was, Barr was not the problem in this election. You know, It wasn't that he was unwilling to look at things. I heard from people who were in the room with the Attorney General, people that I know and trust were in the room with the Attorney General, former Attorney General now, Bill Barr, when he was hearing about election fraud things, and he said, let's go, let's look at it, get me the information. He was personally looking into it. You know, I, I, I think Trump was very unfair to Barr at the end, and I think he was very unfair to Pence at the end, too. There was no Pence deliver the election to Trump in the last minute thing. Nah, that was not a real thing, folks. And the president, you know, uh, the former president Trump, when he said to Pence, "I'm sorry." All right, he, you know, in the in the fi- after the election, those last few months, the Trumpster made some big mistakes, and we we need we need we owe it whether you're you know still super MAGA or a little on the fence about MAGA owe it to be honest with each other about that. We owe it to ourselves to be honest about it. And, and I, I think that that's, that's where we are now. Whether you want Trump to run or not, that's still an open question. And, and I respect that people are going to have different opinions on that. But from November of uh, 2020 uh, until, you know, January, Biden swearing in, Trump, Trump was getting a lot of bad advice and made some bad decisions. And I'm always going to speak the truth to you about this stuff, and that is what happened. And, and some of his advisors, I mean, the thing with the kids that were basically controlling access to the president of the White House, absurd, absurd. And I still remember a lot of people, including that I respect and like, they were all, oh, don't be critical of the nepotism. He needs people he trusts. No, no, they were libs. They were libs. Does that matter to anybody? There were unfireable libs in the Trump White House. Does, is, does that strike anybody as a good idea? It doesn't strike me as a good idea. You know, so, uh, you know, and I, I spoke the truth to you about, about this, even when it wasn't popular. You know, when I would talk about the nepotism in the Trump White House, people oh, I've grown. Go listen to somebody else, you know, who that's what people are doing. Oh, I'll listen to somebody who's going to say everything Trump does is amazing. This is the truth zone, my friends. This is, this is the truth hut. I tell it to you like the way I see it. It doesn't mean I'm always right, but I give it to you as my, as my peers and my friends and my, co- my, my colleagues and fellow patriots. That's how I do this. That's how I do this show every day. I respect this audience. We don't pander here. Uh, let's see. We've got Dennis. Dennis. Buck and best ever producer, Mark. Wow. Outstanding job with the Siege of Malta. Just as expected. That was fun and entertaining to listen to and well worth the long wait. Looking forward to part two. Concerning the Columbus, Ohio incident, wasn't the police officer in a no win situation? What if he had not intervened and the potential stabbing victim was stabbed and died? The narrative simply would have changed. to see the white cop just stood by and watched a black individual get killed. Hands down, you've got the best podcast out there, Buck. Thanks for the great work of uh, you and Mark do. Shields High. Dennis, thank you so very much, man. And I appreciate that you like this podcast and, and that you listen. And I agree. I think it is the best podcast. And I just wish the word would get out even more to more folks. I wish people that think that they already listen to some conservative podcasts. Give this one a shot. Who's easier to listen to? Who's more informative? Who is a better usage of your time? I, I don't think there is one. I'm just going to tell you, I, and I, I've heard the other folks. I don't have really time to listen to anybody else because i got to do my own show every day, but I've heard what they do. I'm not saying there aren't people who are good and talented their own way. There certainly are, but I think this is the best. So even if you've got a friend who listens to conservative podcasts already, say, have you tried Buck Sexton? You know, Switch to the real thing. Step into the Buck revolution. All right, we're rolling with roll call. Remember to check in at bucksaxton.com. We got stories posted there. I put up an editorial about my border trip over the weekend. So you can go listen there. Please, please do that. And uh, you can always listen to the podcast there, too. We got a player at the top. And let's get to. Oh, and if you want to send us roll call, more the more the merrier in roll call, facebook.com slash bucksaxton, teambuck at iheartmedia.com. I will tell you, for those that are a KLBJ family, uh, in the Austin area, I, uh, I went to some great places. I went to Loro, which is an uh, Asian barbecue fusion place. Loved it. Went to a brunch place called Picnic. Loved it. Totally gluten-free, which was just heaven for me. And the first night, I went to a place called Uchiko in Austin. Oh, my gosh. The food in Austin is mind-blowing. Really, really good. The politics are awful of the city. It's a shame. All the homelessness and the vagrancy and just the lib mask manias everywhere. That was that was disappointing. It didn't really feel like being in Texas. It felt like uh felt like being in a suburb of Washington, DC, honestly, a lot of the time, which is not a not a compliment in that regard on the politics. All right. Uh Adam, team Buck, uh, listen every day to your show. Your unique perspective is a breath of fresh air. Thank you. From a selfish perspective, or maybe not, I've resigned myself to the fact there'll be no longer comedians to make us laugh out loud. I often catch myself thinking how so-and-so comedian would see this world, what lens, what filter, what optics. I mean, would Don Rickles be woke, or would he fight for his right to call out people like he did? Would George Carlin create an eight, eighth word you aren't allowed to say on TV? How about Pryor or Ralphie May? What would they be saying in this messed-up world we're stuck in? What are we without laughter? It's sad to think this art form will never exist as we knew it. For me, I was lucky. I saw Seinfeld do stand-up in 87, saw Leno live in Norman, Oklahoma, saw Eddie Murphy do Raw in Orlando. My wife, who's a lovely Chinese woman, sees way too many parallels to to where she immigrated from and is worried we're headed for same. With that said, all I can do is watch YouTube of comics I love, but for how long... Adam I I totally agree with you I I wish I could tell you that I thought That things were going to get better And things were going to be Improving on this front But the left has largely destroyed comedy You're not allowed to make jokes And you're not allowed to be a real comedian anymore You're you're allowed to be a left wing Political commentator Who attacks conservatives And attacks Christians And uh, you make jokes In between Political comments not just you can't just make jokes. Although that guy uh, Nate Bar- Bargatze, uh, who is a Nashville guy, he was good on Netflix. You could watch his show. Not a lot, of, no cursing, no gross stuff, no woke stuff. I thought Nate Bargatze was very good. You know, he's not right wing, he's not conservative. He's just making jokes, and it was so refreshing. I said, "Oh my gosh, this guy's actually just trying to be a comedian." Look at this uh joan we just found out here in maryland the university of maryland system is mandating all staff students and personnel be vaccinated when will this end forced masking and now forced vaccinations how do we stop this there are thousands of us here in maryland ready to take a stand and demand our rights back oh joan i feel for you i'm so sorry about i i wish i had a quick answer but all i could say is no matter what stay in the fight no matter what you face shields high